something white hot on your radar right now that you'd like to expound on. Uh, I'd like you to be Ben Wilkoff and not just anyone answering the same damn questions, you know. So if there's something that, you know, you're you're just ready to talk about and we want to kind of launch into that. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, we can definitely do that. Um, so the proposal that I sent out to um, the um, the EDUCON 2.1, um, is all about the instant and always on, uh, collaboration that mm-hmm. seems to be very, very, uh, interesting to a lot of people, but not all that attainable unless you have this really kind of high, um, experience level or, um, or you can set up your own personal learning network and, and actually get to that point. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the title of the presentation is the, the on button. Um, where I would like to be able to set up um, instant and always on collaboration for people with literally one button, one, uh, you know, you push a button and it it goes. And so the idea behind that, and I've been playing around with some, um, some, I guess, um, maxims of instant and always on collaboration. And so far what I'm, really developing is, uh, three ideas. Um, if it can be aggregated, it should be, if it can be archived, it should be. And if a login can be eliminated, it should be. And so though with those three ideas, um, we're, I'm kind of developing as that goes. And the way that it actually looks so far is, um, uh, I can set up, um, a multi-person video conference using TalkBox and just have that embedded um, onto a page. So that's instant collaboration. You can embed a whiteboard next to that using um, uh, using Scribble and, and things like that so that you can have a collaborative space that requires no logins whatsoever. Um, you can set up Um, There are a couple of different ways to do it, but you can set up a WordPress installation that will not only have feeds come into it, but um, it will basically archive uh, everything that comes in. So we generally think of feeds as something that is like kind of passing through. Um, you know, you you have your feed reader in, in Google Reader or something like that, and they're just passing through. But what if we could archive every single blog post that you read or that you are interested in uh, or that's on a particular topic? What if you could archive that and be able to search through all of those things in one place? Nice. So, so you okay. set up a, a place for that and you have all of the feeds aggregated in one place and it's archived there. And it's also your... Um, the feeds could be just a Twitter search for certain keywords, and then it all archives there, and and no one has to log in ever. It's just an open resource that a library, everything. a library that never locks its door. Um, I haven't started recording yet. Um, that all sounds great. You want to just talk in that area, and, and as an intro these days, um, <laughs> how do I intro you? Um, your current job. You know, title. What What would you like for an introduction? Um, I'm the <laughs> my current job title is the online learning and technology resource specialist for Douglas County Schools. The online learning and technology um, resource specialist. <laughs> resource. That kind of sounds like my job. Resource specialist. I call myself for... the OL Tecker Spec. <laughs> Douglas, Douglas County Schools? Correct. Schools. Okay. And that is in what state? It's in Colorado. <laughs> sorry, buddy. I, I'm Swiss cheese today. Um, Colorado. I apologize. Thanks for letting me handle you in a ham-fisted manner. It's I, really I okay, man. I apologize. <laughs> I'm kind of dragging rear. Okay. So we'll just leap in um, and start talking. Is that sound okay? That sounds fine. And just so you know, I did get that audio if you want to use it later. I had it recorded. Oh, did you really? So I had that did audio. Did you? Yeah. So if you Actually, if yeah. if you want me to send that to you, I, I I have the audio. I don't have the video, but uh, no, audio is fine. That's that'd be that'd be great. All right. 
Hello and welcome to Driving Questions. My guest in the carpool is, I'd like to thank you, my friend, uh, Ben Wilkoff. And uh, we kind of crossed paths, I think, uh, found each other out there online, what, a couple of years ago? Was it two years ago, yep, three years ago? I uh, started following Ben's thinking, listening to him talking on his commute, and it was an audio podcast. And you went into cerebral areas. It was like the difference between listening to Stephen Wright and Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> You were Stephen Wright, and you always sort of found these interesting niches. And I know Ginger Lumen uh, also got very excited and, and just following your thinking uh, back then. And so we started talking uh, a little bit. And still, I continue to be impressed with your take on things, with your take on the way things could work, your take on learning. Uh, and I'll post links uh, to your website. I've just been looking again today uh, anew at your website and some of the services that you have there. Uh, currently, Ben is the online learning uh, and technology resource specialist for Douglas County Schools in Colorado. What part of the state is that? Um, it's uh, it's a suburb of Denver. Um, Castle Rock is the the main area, and so it's it's kind of pushing out a little bit to um, to the wild areas of of the state, but not quite out to the springs yet. So. You say wild, do you mean beautiful or do you mean wild? I, I mean wild and beautiful, yeah. You you get some, some wild animals, but yes, it's very, very beautiful. Very cool. Well, you've been, and I think we've all been looking at this sort of uh, professional development model, this emerging one with all of the wonderful Web 2.0 tools and social learning networks and PLNs and all of these things. And you've got a couple of notions about, uh, what did you call it, an always-on or... What are you thinking of when you look at all these tools and the way they can converge and be easy for teachers to access and use? Um, yeah, so I, I generally like to think about um, collaboration as not a one-time thing. Traditional professional development is a, uh, a one-session uh, it's it's held within a particular moment. Even if you're at a conference, it's held within that particular moment. And I think for the people that are um, doing it every single day and they see the value of having creating a personal learning network um, they see it as a continuous learning process but the learning curve is incredibly steep I, I spent yesterday working with um, some people who are already in 21st century um, research and uh, skills and things like that uh, they're at the council for 21st century skills and you know they are promoting the idea of inquiry and project-based learning and things like that um, within technology and they have a wiki set up but they're you know they were talking about how do we actually get things to come to us you know how do we get a personal learning network and so I spent a couple of hours helping them to understand how to use a feed reader and how to use Twitter to create a personal learning network but you know, you can't take two hours in a one-on-one -on -one session and have that really be scalable and effective um, because most of the time you have an hour to talk to hundreds of people in terms of trying to teach somebody something. Um, so we need to figure out, I think, a, a better way of doing uh, always-on collaboration. And um, there are a few things that I've been realizing, I guess, over the past few months that uh, really makes sense to me. Um, one is that I was not thinking about tags and feeds correctly at all. Um, I, <laughs> I, I did not realize just how powerful um, tags and feeds are and the way that they really are gluing uh, our learning together. Um, and so the, the experience that I had was I went back to my classroom. I, I taught English for four years um, to seventh and eighth graders. Um, and that was kind of where I started blogging with my students and everything like that. But um, so I went back and I guest taught there and I did a lesson on the graphic novel Mouse, uh, Mouse 2, uh, which is a World War II graphic novel. And if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, so what I had them do is they were on their little MacBooks and they took a picture of the uh, book and flipped it around and then annotated it in preview uh, and and they were able to analyze it and everything like that. And traditionally, I would have them put it on a server folder or something like that and then we would share them out and take a look at them and say, you know, why is this one good and do that critical thinking afterwards, that reflective piece. 
And this time around, I said, you know what, we've only got a day. I'm not going to be here any longer than this. How can I do this so quickly and so easily? So I was looking around at the services that are available, and I had them all. Um, what I found is that SlideShare does not require a login. So SlideShare has an easy upload button. Well, how do you aggregate it if, you know, 120 students are doing this? How do you aggregate it together? So I had them all push the upload button, upload their um, document, and then tag it with a particular tag that I told them to use. Mm -hmm. And so I said use the mouse to tag, and then every single time it would update, every single one of those was on one page, so you could peruse them very easily, sure. you could comment on them and things like that. And the idea of, I mean, the, the whole notion of tagging, I think originally, in my understanding, was that's the way that I categorize my information so that I can find it later. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the way that, that a lot of people get at it is that notion of I'm tagging my own information. It's not, well, let's use this particular tag to push all of our information together. You know, and so I've used that now a couple of times where we pick a tag for a particular project. So you pick a tag for a project and everything gets thrown together and it's not to one account. You know, when in EdTech Talk, you're, you're saying four colon EdTech Talk and it sends it to them and they choose what they want to put on their show. But let's say that you just decide, okay, for this particular project, we're going to tag uh, everything that we find, we're going to tag it on Flickr, we're going to tag it on Delicious, on Digo, on uh, a hashtag on Twitter, we're going to do it on SlideShare, everything that we do, we're going to tag it with this one tag, and then not only could you go to those different services, but then you can aggregate them together in one way or another because every single one of those services has an RSS feed that comes from the tag. And so the idea is that you establish the one tag and say whatever service you are comfortable with, you don't have to use this one or this one or this one, whatever service you're comfortable with, if you tag it, I will get it. And so the, the whole idea of turning things in by tag, I had never really thought about. You know, when you're, when you're collecting documents at the end of the period or something like that, how much easier would it to be to say, okay, today's tag is this. Turn it in like that, and this is the format that I want it in. And then you can aggregate it into one place and then stop listening to that tag so that nobody else would ever, if they used it later on, it would never come into your inbox, basically. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so then I started thinking about what is the inbox? You know, how are we aggregating this together? And so right now, I mean, I love WordPress because of how functional it is and how, you know, I can modify it and things like that. But there's this plugin called Feed WordPress that allows me to take a feed from anywhere and have it be uh, every single post that's from that feed becomes a post on the WordPress installation. And so I can set up in 15 minutes a project WordPress site that will aggregate this tag or that tag from all of the different services and it becomes it becomes um, a resource if you want to use it but it comes a resource forever you know you never have to touch the back end of that again you never have to post something to that blog you just go to one of those services tag it with that thing and it pulls it in and so that idea of um, of using tags and feeds to come to basically collect and to archive everything. So the idea is, is you're eliminating every login that you don't find to be necessary. You are um, you are aggregating everything that can be aggregated and archiving everything that can be archived. And so it, it that so that's the idea that I've been playing around with, and so far I've I haven't run into too many uh, stumbling blo blocks because I think that people see uh, some value in not having a high learning curve. Yeah, um, I kind of ran into that. Now I don't the, the way that you're 
leveraging tags is brilliant, brilliant, because you're giving that to your kids and empowering them to put things in the file cabinet. Uh, on the ArtsNext network, this is where I ran into trouble. When I crossed 8,000 photos uploaded, and most people don't tag, and I can't make them tag. They're not in my class. They're all over the place. Right. So I, I liken it to throwing your picture behind the filing cabinet, not in the filing cabinet. You've got to tag it. But I wanted a simple way to parse all the items in there and say easy drawings, medium drawings, challenging drawings. So with tags, you know, I could do that and then put them all on one page search. And once I had a page search, as long as users would use that same tag, they would automatically add to that page. That's sort of how it came to me is that it was a way to manage a Ning network. I hadn't thought about it in a more holistic way um, that, that, that you're using. I think it's simple and brilliant. Um, and I know some teachers who will love this conversation because they'll do exactly what you're saying. It's just it's not, it's not a notion that pops into your head overnight. You've got to use stuff for a while before it occurs yep. to you. Uh, other ideas. So you had some ideas about uh, even teleconferencing or letting people share a whiteboard. Uh, what were some of those implementation ideas you had? Yeah. So um, along with the idea of eliminating logins, um, for I've actually found that although Skype is an incredible um, platform, it requires a download for one. Um, you have to get an account. Um, it has to work on your system. You have to make sure that and. I've run into many, many troubles with like getting a headset to work, um, PC versus Mac, all of those sorts of things. So um, what I'm, and I think that a lot of people are moving toward a web-based platform or looking for something. So I, I had to find for the online school that I'm um, the technology specialist for, the online learning specialist for, um, we had to figure out a way to do some video conferencing where we didn't run into every single stumbling block imaginable because I'm not there to guide them. And, I, and the, the number of different types of computers that exist, I mean, there's no way that you can um, troubleshoot everything all at once. You know, you say, you have this problem? Okay, it's this fix. No, there are a hundred different fixes for that particular problem depending on what operating system you have, what browser, you know, and all of those sorts of things. So um, anyway, I researched as much as I could and the one service that I found that is, um, I would say, a, a revelation in teleconferencing is is actually TalkBox, T-O-K-B-O-X. Um, and I've been talking to the, their uh, developers, trying to integrate it more with our um, with our school because it is basically a, a it is a little bit like Skype in the fact that you can download an Air app, which is great because it works cross platform and it's on the Air, um, and you can have all of the all of your chat networks in there. And you can use the TalkBox network where you can send video and audio messages to people and just leave the messages for free. Um, and then the best thing is their conference. So you say that you want to do a video conference. You click. It gives you embed code. You put that conference on any web page. And then if somebody goes to that web page, they're entered in the conference. And it has a really uh, pretty neat way of... Um, letting you um, select which is the audio that you want to use. It gives you all of your audio options, and then you select the one when you're talking that moves. So, it, you know, it says your audio in or your microphone or something like that, and you just talk, and you select the one that actually moves. And then you have all of your camera options. Let's say that it thinks you have three cameras for some reason, um, and it you pick the one that... Um, that is has your picture in it and so then your audio settings and video settings are done and you're and you're kind of golden you're not like you click on this one and try it and then click on this one and try it and blah 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 so i like that a whole bunch um for the ease of use i've used that where we've had up to about um uh, i've tried it um really successfully up to about seven people. Um, I've heard about like 25 people getting into a video conference and, and doing that, um, but you'd all have to be on pretty good bandwidth in order to to really hear and, and do different things like that. Can I ask you a quick question about yep. it? I'm constantly looking at these things, um, and Ustream was one that I got excited about, uh, Moglis after that, but there, there's 
this thing I call taming the tool. But the tool comes out, it's not for education per se, it's commercial, and they have something built into it, like Ustream has the Ustream icon in the bottom of the window. You can't take it out in HTML that I can tell. It's in the window. If you click the Ustream button, you go to the Ustream homepage where a talk show could be going on that kids shouldn't hear. So I've got homeschoolers who are looking at my Ustream thing, and they happen to get curious and click on Ustream. They end up at the homepage, and then they're, Kevin, your link led to, ah, in TalkBox, uh, you know, can you put it on the page, and you've got a clean window. Is there anything, a rules of the road in implementing that that a person should know before, before they try it? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely it does have a does have a link. We have talked to them because we are a K-12 school and we don't want kids to, to be able to do things that they shouldn't be able to do um, or that, you know, their parents wouldn't want them to be able to do. Um, yeah. And so we have talked about either um, not so much removing that, but just making it a dead link, you know, that the, you know, if they were smart enough to type in talkbox.com, then they can go there, which they could do anyway. Um, regardless, but it's not a live link. And so we are working on that with them to, to figure it out. Um, but, uh, what you could do, and this is what, um, uh, what I would recommend is not embedding it totally on a web page. is simply using it when you would want to use it and send them a link to the, um, to the conference when you want to video conference with them. Um, mm -hmm so that they're only having that exposure at that particular moment. Um, and then, you know, it exits out and you're no, you no longer have to worry about that part of it. So, um, so, I mean, there are definitely workarounds and things like that, but, uh, the potential for not having to be face to face, uh, in actuality, but still be face to face and, and things like that. So anyway, I mean, it's just a tool, but the idea of not having to log in was what, made me so engaged by it um, because setting up an additional login for our students is ridiculous. So I, I will be trying it today. <laughs> uh, you, you know, got my attention. I'm always looking for, for that easy thing. Now, let me ask you this. I work with a lot of schools that have Polycom, Tamburg systems, and they, they're all over the map. They have dedicated bandwidth or not dedicated bandwidth and struggle accordingly. Um, and so I'm always trying to show them a solution that might give them you know, access to a functionality without e-rating a whole bunch of additional bandwidth and dedicating it to that thing. In your experience with, with TalkBox, uh, can you ramp up and down the necessary bandwidth or uh, what are the rules of the road in terms of, you know, teachers using it and the bandwidth it takes to make it work? Um, the bandwidth is, is uh, not a huge amount uh, of worry if you're, if you only have a few teachers doing it. I would say that any kind of video conferencing system, if you have a vast majority of teachers using it on a daily basis, it's going to yeah. suck some bandwidth. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just the way that streaming video works, you know. But um, because of the protocol that they're using, um, I haven't seen huge lag. I, I was able to get it to work with uh, 128K. Um, uh, and it was it was working without uh, without lag. So nice. Um, nice. I think there were only three people on that conference, but I you know it would just be, have to be something that you played around with. But it was it was pretty neat. Um, and so I what I've done is I for a test page I embedded that um, that video conference and uh, whenever we're, you know I, whenever I have a meeting and I say I can't be there, let's do this. And they're like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And then right next to it, I put a, um, a whiteboard. And so um, Scribble, uh, S-K-B-R-L, the worst, seriously, the worst named Web 2.0 tool. <laughs> uh, just because if I tell somebody that it's called Scribble, you know, they actually want to spell it out. But um, anyway, they have both a collaborative um, whiteboard that you can set up where it's um, it's a, a dedicated whiteboard that you can save and and um, put in documents and do all of the kind of really robust stuff but you can also embed a scribble board where you can draw and add text and do all the stuff that you would want to do in a meeting um, 
when you are also video conferencing. So it's not the robust, I need a learning management system right now, but I just want to draw a diagram and have somebody sure. understand what the heck I'm talking about. Sure. Oh, it's great. And I'm loving these lightweight, I call MacGyver solutions. Um, two things I think they have to have. One, ease of use, and I think that's what you're talking about, that if I'm using TalkBox, not only do I get the options on audio in and video in, but I actually get a preview uh, meter that's telling me, come on, that's the one that's doing something. I'll click that one. Ooh, that's the one. Uh, this is no small deal. These are right. deal breakers for most people. Uh, if you can put all those on one page, you look you look like you know, you've know you done this, this thing. And people are so thankful that they could figure it out and not feel stupid. I mean, that's kind of what we're fighting against, people's right. fear of feeling stupid because of the technology. So it's, uh, I can't wait to play. I'm going to play with TalkBox immediately. And I'll put links on this podcast. Um, anything else on, on that subject as far as putting together those always-on networks um, and letting people in the game? No, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is do we want to have all of these small places where people go or do we want to send people to, you know, the mother load, the classroom 2.0 with 15,000 users and the the amount of resources that are there is is just amazing. But um but I really think that uh I'm coming around and I was really a big proponent of sending people to classroom 2.0 or to uh open PD or something that's already in existence. But now I'm really starting to reconsider and say, you know what, people don't need the um, the most overwhelming experience to understand the value. They need a personal experience. They need a uh, you know a singular experience of, okay, this is working for me. This could actually work in in my workflow, right? Um, so so that to me is is amazing. The other thing that I've been really playing around with. Uh, well, but let's let's kind of finish that thought. The idea okay. is it is okay to set up individual project centers. Mm -hmm. That is That's absolutely good. okay. I think the problem is if you set up an individual project center that you have to keep on adding to it every single time you want to change something, that becomes a problem. So when people set up a wiki for a particular project, and then they never go back to it, that's the problem. If we set up individual project centers that are collecting from elsewhere and they're a living, breathing resource that, um, you know, it, it searches Twitter every single day and gets all of the new posts about this particular subject, you know, if it becomes a living, breathing project, people are going to want to go to it regardless of if they have to add to it. I was talking uh, yesterday about the, the 99 and 1 rule about most wikis. 90% are lurkers, 9% are sometimes contributors, and the 1% is going to be the heavy contributor. And so if we can leverage all of the other things that are going on around and put them into the, the personalized space, then that makes sense. So if I can leverage Classroom 2.0 and take the feed from a particular forum that I think is really interesting and pop it into our space, then I've done a real service. I'm not sending mm -hmm. them off blindly into Classroom 2.0. Sure, sure. And, you know, Classroom 2.0, when it reached certain numbers, I found that people were just overwhelmed, didn't know where to start. It became a full-blown curriculum just to get people into the jungle far enough with our machetes uh, to find the, the lost temples and so forth. And this, uh, this, this model you have, and I call it, liken it to coffee houses, that people need a comfortable, smells good safe coffee house to start in, but there has to be a coffee, co a coffee brewing, you know, in those places. And, you know, I was one of those people that was setting up Ning networks left and right. You know, I had one going on for every subject I could think of. Um, and we could set one up quickly for anybody. The problem is there were enough people coming and going for it to ever reach critical mass for it to take off under its own power. You know, uh, art snacks, when we crossed the, the thousand member line, um, suddenly took on this sort of life of its own. And you're absolutely right. What was the 91? What was the rule you said? 99, one, 99 one. and 1. And if you're interested, I, I, I find uh, in most projects uh, and wikis and things like that, if you go to uh, wikipatterns.com, there's a teacher there that set up um, the idea, and I take my students through where 
Um, it talks about uh, the patterns of different people on the wiki. So the do-it-all uh, is an anti-pattern. Um, the over-organizer is an anti-pattern. The, the wiki gnome... <laughs> You know, and all of those kinds of things where you're, you have to figure out what your role within a project is if it's an online project. And mm -hmm. so I find that having the kids or the adults self-describe themselves. So are you going to be a someone who is going to contribute a lot? Are you the type of person who hates to see the formatting errors that happens on that happen on project sites, you know, and you want to fix those? That's okay, you know, but figure out what your role is within this project and if if it's really that you're going to check it once and never go back, totally be honest about that. But know that there is value here and that if you do go back, it's not going to depend upon you contributing to actually have value there. Mm -hmm. I see a frustration level with people who set up these networks. They take it personally. And again, understanding these human behaviors that you just uh, talked about, I think, I think it sort of firewalls us or gets some Teflon coating on our feelings because we take it personally that a person is a fader. They come and they fade away. They hit and run, you know, but it's not their thing. And, and, and some people take that very, very personally and they get mad. And there are other people who – who don't come back very often and have this guilt, this guilt, you know, oh, I'm sorry. They feel the need to apologize when they, when they type in, oh, I haven't been here since Christmas. So man, I should be, I, no, no, you shouldn't be. If that's who you are, you know, I could, I don't know. There are all kinds of words I use. Some people shoplift, they show up, they take a few things and leave and they don't put anything back on the shelf at all. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. That's a service. And there are people who are constantly stocking the shelves. Um, and there are those who, walk in the store and walk back out. Maybe they use the restroom. I don't know what they do. Um, you probably have words for all those things that are much more <laughs> eloquent than, than mine. I have a few questions I wanted to shoot across your deck, and I'm talking to Steve Hargadon this afternoon, and I'm going to ask this same series of questions, if it's okay with you. And you, you haven't had access to any of these, but they've been, they, they've been percolating around in my mind a little bit. Um, I want to ask you personally what you're thinking right now. What, this question, what has to happen to get American schools where they need to be with Obama coming in and all of that. There's a lot of this kind of thinking, you know, um, I had a meeting, uh, earlier this week with a, uh, charter school, um, that does, it's a center based charter school and they do some online curriculum and some face to face curriculum. Um, and we were trying to convince them, to uh, use Google Apps for their domain. Um, but she was really worried about um, changing from Outlook to a, uh, would I have to change the way that I do my work? Um, and basically, you know, we had to end up saying, no, you can still sync all of your email to your Outlook clients and everything like that. And she was like, oh, well, as long as you're just changing the back end and the front end never changes, then then that's okay. Yeah, let's go do that because that's going to cost us less money and everything like that. So um, I think the, the real battle is... Um, when we try for change, it ends up being that we, you know, we, we keep on saying that it is the exact same. It's just this tiny little bit different in the background, but everything really stays the same. Mm. And um, so I, I think that to a certain extent, if we want to get schools to where they need to be, and I see a lot of really positive things happening all over the place. So I'm not, you know, one of the people that are like, it, it is in dire straits and, and if we don't change tomorrow, we're going to perish. I do think that if we don't change eventually, yes, public schools are going to be the second tier of schools in our country. And to in some places, they already are. I mean, in, um, uh, in both of our states, actually, there are some cities that... Uh, that you would rather send your kid to a private school than a public school. Um, and so I think that we have to be able to say that we're not changing, not just changing what's in the background and we have to be okay with changing what's in the foreground and really making it look and feel different. Um, 
and to me it's not going to happen until people have that comfort with changing the things that are in the foreground the the actual hours of a school day the way that um, we measure learning um, you know those kinds of things that I mean it's going to be a, uh, a shift that uh, that is that is really hard but I do think that uh, to a certain extent in order to get there unless unless you can come up with a really great idea that you can get a critical mass and I think that's one of the things that Obama did was he had a drastically different idea of what politics can be and he he actually defined it and said this is what I would like it to be and if you're with me great let's go you know he wasn't trying to say well we're gonna tinker with this we're gonna tinker with this and then we'll you know it'll be better off in the end you know, he just said, there is a new way of doing things. Let's do it that way. And, you know, he was not necessarily, um, you know, he, I think he was ready to fall flat on his face. You know, and I think that, that to a certain extent, it's not so much um, that we have to come in and say, well, you, you're doing some good things and, and this is where we need to, need to work. We need to have fully fleshed out proposals and we need to actually run with them and say it's okay to fall flat on your face if that is what is going to happen. So to a certain extent, I think that that's, um, you know, the, the comfort with change is, is really, really where the, the sweet spot of change is going to happen is if we can get either people to be comfortable with it or we, um, we change the people that are there. I mean, it, 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 one way or another, after a certain number of years, I think that people who um, have, you know, did not use the computer in the classroom get outnumbered by people who did use the computer in the classroom. Now, whether or not they were using it in collaborative and interesting ways is another matter. But I mean, eventually there becomes the tipping point in our school systems where more people have used a blog than haven't. You know what I mean? And it, at that point, it's like, well, okay, so collaboration makes sense in our students' lives. Why can't it make sense in our lives? Um, and, and I guess if I was going to boil all of what I just said down to a soundbite is we have to use the tools to create the thing. If we're talking about collaboration, we have to use Google Docs to collaborate. If we're talking about um, personal learning networks, we have to use our personal learning network to show other people, you know, and it cannot be that we, you know, do a demo. I've seen so many demos where this is, you know, we're selling vaporware or we're, um, it, 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 it becomes, look at what someone else can do. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm using this tool. If I'm presenting to you and I'm lecturing to you about collaborative tools, that is is it's it's I would say it's not right. You know, you are not using the tool to create the thing. If you you know, if you want people to talk intelligently about uh, having conversations around learning, you need to have a conversation around learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, I went all over the place uh, as you were talking. I was thinking um, about what you were saying is it walking the talk, I think one of the things we call it, uh, that you're in a breakout session where they're standing and delivering and talking about how important it is to to be the guide on the side and, and, and to be, not be the sage on the stage, but yet that's what they're doing right that moment. And there's a certain amount of dishonesty, it feels, when they're selling you it in, in that way, the person that's coming to do the, the presentation. Um, another question here, um, I'm, I'm, I just want to steal, basically, steal from you for the people who will watch this or listen to this podcast. What are a few simple things administrators can do to start moving um, in the right direction? And they're always asking, you know, uh, what's a free and easy thing I can do tomorrow? Uh, are there some simple things they can do to start a faculty that hasn't really started yet? I go to a lot of schools and they're just starting. It's amazing. But they're 10 years ago and they've been somehow out there in the hinterlands, somehow bubbled and protected in some dire circumstances has happened to get everyone to suddenly put everything on the table. And now they're honestly saying, what can we do? And what would be your prescription? You know, a couple simple things you could do to get a faculty moving in the right direction. Um, well, as much as I, uh, 
as much as I would say that, you know, that creating that one place to go to for all resources and things like that, I do think that you would have to have a huge amount of buy-in for that kind of thing to work where you where you're saying there's a project here and we're all coming together around that. If you have a project that you actually want to work on, then that's great, you know, but it has to be a specific project. It's not just our school and then we're coming together because that is not specific enough to create buy-in. Um, so what I would I think suggest is um, uh, in terms of, of creating a personal learning network, which is the only lasting thing that I think any administrator could do in terms of you have to tell your teachers to be self-service. You're never going to be able to have enough in-service days to, <laughs> you know what I mean, to actually um, get get everyone on board. You have to be able to set it up so that it is self-service. So I would recommend um, that they um, use a tool that, that people are already using, like email. Um, most teachers are fairly proficient with email. And so if they can email, then they can blog. So let's say that they wanted to do that. You're going to have them all send one post to post at posterist.com. They can set up their own blog today, never having a login, never having to do anything like that. It creates it for them, showing them that they can use a tool that they already have to, to do that. So if we're, you know, that's one thing that they can do to have everybody set up a blog. If they wanted to go that route, you know, we want our teachers to blog. How do they do it? They cc post at posterist.com and it becomes a new entry on their blog page. They don't know how to put their lesson plans online, so they've got a Word document. They attach it to the blog or attach it to an email, send it to the posterist. It becomes a lesson plan on their blog that they can tell students to go there now. You know, so that idea of starting super duper small, having it using a tool that they already know fairly well, at least. Um, so that's one thing that I would say is a recommendation. I like your philosophy. Uh, to me, it's meeting them on their front porch and then walking them down the sidewalk. Uh, too often we ask them to jump, uh, jump a long way for the first step. And I think it's not that teachers are scared or cowards or anything. They're busy. They're passionate, busy people who don't look up you know, from the battle. You know, uh, I heard that metaphor that someone, you know, when they were trying to introduce the idea of hand washing for surgeons in between patients, there were doctors that said, I don't have time to wash my hands. I'm too busy saving patients. Uh, and that would be legitimate. I mean, from what they knew about, you know, things that might have been legit. Um, next question. Um, what should higher ed be doing? for pre-service teachers that they're not doing in your book. Now, I'm not talking about everywhere. There are pockets of possibility everywhere. But by and large, what should pre-service programs be doing for teachers before they get out there? Um, I would say, and this goes for administrators too, but um, for pre-service teachers, before they graduate, they need to have um, a really good set of, um, of readings that they are constantly following. So I suggest that they go and get a Google Reader account, and they just did this last week. They created bundles for different topics in Google Reader that if you click Browse for Stuff in Google Reader and then click on, um, it's either More Stuff or Bundles, you can get an EdTech bundle with the top nine blogs uh, in EdTech or on hockey or on, but the idea is that um, I think that most of the readings that get done in college um, or even in PD, you know, it's it's the one book that was done 10 years ago um, and may still apply, may not apply, but you have to decide for yourself. It's not what is happening right now. And so if, um, if a school is able to set everybody up with a robust reading experience and that is their becomes a part of their learning network then they they never ever stop learning and so it's all about preparing for that long-term learning and so if you if you get them at the beginning of college and then you ask them you know once a month 
or once a week even if, if it's a particular class, what did you find in your, in your reader that, um, that is of value to you today? You know, and so I had lots of professors who, um, I shouldn't say lots, I had a couple of professors that uh, asked me to find passages that I found to be profound, because I, I went to school for English, I found to be profound, and then talk about why they were profound, you know, or why yeah. they thought the style was good, or something like that. You know, we need to be able to ask that, and you give an average teacher, or an average pre-surface teacher, service teacher that directive, go and find something out on the internet that you find interesting. They're going to go to Google, pick up the first thing that comes up there, which is decided by how many things link to it, not how valuable it is to them. Yeah. And so it's everybody else deciding what they should read, not them uh, creating a personal learning experience for themselves. You know, maybe I'm guessing here, uh, but there's a lot of a lot in your delivery style and a lot that I see in the, in the way you express yourself that tells me that professor that had you out seeking out the profound and talking about why that sort of is part of the, the recipe now. Absolutely. You know what, I mean? uh, what, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you were named the totally wired teacher of 2007 by the George Lucas educational foundation, which is to me, no small thing. It's a, it's, it's a big it's a big deal. So I, I take your advice very seriously. Um, and now I want to throw you in a scenario. Uh, Obama campaign just called, and they want you, they want you to come in uh, and lead a team of people to look at uh, the change that we need to to uh, undertake in American education. There's so much there, but what what was what was the central focus? <laughs> central focus, or the maybe the first thing that you would try to do to kind of get your hands around arms around all of the challenges that we face? That's a huge question. If you don't have an answer right away, I understand. Um, I, I think the only thing that you could do is to create an experience for them of what learning can be. If you tried to do any one thing, um, if you tried to talk about any one topic, I think you get bogged down in the details and you'd never get at it. If you created an authentic experience for them to inquire about even the nature of learning or the nature of 21st century learning, if you created an authentic experience for them, which would include things such as searching what people are talking about right now or on aggregating um, the, uh, the most recent research, you know, in the idea of, well, how are we going to collect all this? Okay, so let's use a Google notebook, a, a really easy to use tool. But the idea is that let's create something that lets you learn that for yourself. There's nothing that I would be able to tell that team that I think would be able to impact them if they didn't have an experience of what truly connected learning is. I think what you described just now and what we just we were talking about earlier is something we've been calling self-directed staff development, this personalized you know, ability to make learning fit you. And I think that's what we want for our kids. You know, everything we're talking about in terms of staff development or teacher development, I swear every kid in every classroom should have those same choices. But I think the only way we're going to get to that is to first show teachers how good that feels and how right that is. And then hopefully one of them will go, you know, we should do this in the classroom. Okay, so uh, we're just at almost to an hour, so I'm going to bring this in, thing in for a landing. So I'm going to do the drive-off, the drive-off. So you've been in the carpool. I'm dropping you off at your house or wherever nice. you want to be dropped off. Uh, and as I drive off, uh, what you say to me as I drive off to the listeners and whatever, closing thoughts, uh, what's become clear to you, um, give you a chance to, to think about that. Any closing thoughts? Um... I honestly think that uh, creating a workflow that works for you is so incredibly valuable. Um, and when I when I say the word workflow, I mean it sounds like super um, jargony, but it has true meaning to me. The idea of what do I do every day? What is the workflow? If I want to get a piece of information. What is the process that I follow in order to get that piece of information or in order to create that thing? Um, 
I think that if we are not, um, if we're not working in that area of creating a different type of workflow or one that actually works, because there's no way that you can add blogs, add wikis, add uh, video conferencing without either taking something away or making something more efficient. And so we, we have to be always talking about that. Otherwise, it just becomes, well, that's really nice. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and so if we can get at a, a workflow that makes sense for people um, and they become so engaged in that workflow that it does not seem like it's something extra, something more, um, then, then we have done something. Until that happens, then uh, I think we're just kind of spinning our wheels a little bit. So that's kind of the final thought, uh, um, the, the, the drop-off there. But um, I think that uh, if we use our cell phones and our email um, and our time on the web more effectively, then we're going to have a lot more happy teachers. Um, and I've been working on those kind of three things, making sure that that's as effective as possible. Um, you know, I think that's really the only way that we're gonna that we're gonna change things. If people want to keep up with you, if they hear this and they discover you for the first time, and they want to just kind of keep up with what you're tweaking on and what you're working on, uh, what's the best one place to land to get a to get I, feel? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say my blog, um, and I finally have my workflow down to where I'm blogging much more regularly because I can do so from my cell phone or from. Uh, uh, from my email and things like that, and it actually does work. Uh, so I like that a lot. Uh, so that's at learningischange.com slash blog. Uh, my Twitter account is uh, Wilkoff, and pretty much any other service that I have set up, it's Wilkoff. So if you look for that. Um, hey, I've got to ask you, uh, are you playing, have you been on Plurk? Uh, I haven't, uh, well, I mean, I have an account on Plurk. Um, the one thing that I that I would have to have in order to get onto Plurk would be um, would be a standalone application that uh, that I like a lot and that does for me everything that Twirl does for Twitter. I mean, the, I never get on the web interface um, because it's not in my workflow. I, I am mm -hmm. never on Twitter.com. I'm never on Plurk.com. I rarely ever go to websites, actually. I want everything to come to me. So <laughs> Nice. That's how it should be. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I hope we can talk again sometime. Uh, sometime soon, I'm sure. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh -huh. Okay. I stopped recording. All right. Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. It's good stuff. I'll, tr I'll probably – my goal is to have the, this posted uh, by this afternoon. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, – Well, I may – Anything else? Go no, I'm, I was just going to ask you if it would be okay if I – cross-posted uh, and did, although you might not get up for a while, uh, if I did the audio as well. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Okay. All right. Well, talk thank to you, you later. Man. All right. Bye-bye.